Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thank you so much for being here with us today. We appreciate that you're here, that you're spending the time to grow yourself, to learn, to develop, to be the thriving entrepreneur that you're meant to be. I really do hope that we can help you again today make that needle point shift. You don't have to change everything in your life. That's the coolest part about it, is, is that you don't have to make this massive world-changing shift in your life. You can just simply make a needlepoint move. What do I mean by that? I mean, you know, just the little thing. Um, you remember the old Christmas uh, cartoon, kind of, you know, it was like claymation or something like that. Um, Santa Claus is coming to town. And you remember that put one foot in front of the other? Remember that song? Um, those of you that don't remember that, um, that's okay. You're probably too young. Um, yes, I'm old. I get it. No worries. <laughs> um, but seriously, that's a needlepoint shift. It's not about all the way across the floor or walking out the door. It's about that one step, that one move. Um, sometimes a needlepoint shift is as simple as, you know, something like waking up in the morning with a happy and positive belief that today can be a good day. There are a lot of days that we could say that don't qualify that way. You know what I'm saying? Those of you that have been around in this world for more than a minute know what it's like to know that there can be good days and there can be bad days. Um, and that's okay on both levels, but sometimes the needlepoint shift only shows up in that when we get up in the morning, we have a hope that we didn't have the morning before. And that can be huge. Um, you know, there was a guest on the show, and I'm trying to remember exactly who it is now, but um, they were talking about the fact that although, you know, you can go 30 days without food, you can go, you know, about three days without water, you can go approximately three minutes without air. You can't go more than 30 seconds with absolutely no hope. And so to have a new hope, to have hope transformed, sparked, ignited, there's a great word for you, ignited within you, that's a huge thing. And I hope that we can do some of that for you today. Today we've got a great, great show two amazing best-selling authors that I am so excited to bring to you um, because they're going to talk about a topic that I think we overlook a lot. Um, I think about so many comedians that I've seen that talk about this subject. The subject is fathers. Some of you, you had an amazing dad. Uh, you know, I've talked to you about my dad and about him being a minister and all of the great things about him. 
Um, I said just the other day to Kathy, I said, you know, all of my dad's flaws, and I know him well enough to know that he has flaws. I know myself well enough to know that I have flaws too, so this isn't me being judgmental of him, it's just simply we're very close. And so I do know that he has flaws, but with all the flaws that he has that I know about, he is an amazing teacher. My dad can teach the Bible on par with anybody you want to put up. And, you know, and I know there aren't such things as like head-to-head -head preacher competitions, you know, who can teach the Bible the best, but, <laughs> and I love this feeling, you know, it's like, but my dad's better than yours. <laughs> but seriously, you know, I had an amazing father, and I'm grateful for it. I know some people, the man that either was their father or the man in their house um, was not a good guy. I know, a, you know, a lot of people who there was no father in their house. Uh, there may have been a replacement person who held the part of father figure. There's a lot of moms that get the work that should be for a dad done. But, you know, there is a place for dads. And I, it's fun to watch, uh, you know, the whole concept of dadness, love that phrase, um, in society because, um, you know, even in popular culture, the things that dads get acknowledged for are very minute. You know, there's the popular song, Papa was a rolling stone, you know? <laughs> um, you know, when... A young man, and I admit that I'm stealing this from a comedian, um, when a young man, you know, you spend your whole life raising him to be a star athlete, and when he scores that goal and they put the camera on him, he says, hi, mom. <laughs> you know, mom is probably not watching the football game. Dad is probably sitting there on the edge of his seat so excited. But that's just kind of the role of dad, and, and that's okay. I am not complaining. Please don't take it as a, you know, woe is me, dads get no love. There's just a, a special and different place for dads. Dads have a place in our lives that cannot be replaced. Um, if you want to dip into third generation minister Steve, uh, the Bible would tell us that our original uh, impressions of and beginning capability to believe in God starts from what we see from our dads. It also becomes true that we learn the concept of respect and, yes, discipline from our dads. Those are the kind of things that um, the traditional role of dad is. And again, like you said, that's not in any way to diminish um, moms who are getting it done, um, you know, different types of roles that may be happening right now in society and those kind of things. But there is a special thing that is called dad. And I'm not just talking about, um, you know, the male genetic uh, material contributor, but I'm talking about dad. And those of you that have had one know what I mean. And those of you that haven't, you know what I mean, too, because you felt that lack, that need that has a missing piece within it. And so today we're going to celebrate dads, 
We're going to talk about dads. We're going to dive deep into dadness, <laughs> if you will. And we want to really help, regardless of whether you're a dad, you're a mom, you're a child, uh, you know, because you're one of those, right? <laughs> you're a dad, mom, child. You may be, you know, uh, several of those. Um, no matter where you fall in on that spectrum, this is going to impact you. And it's something that I want you to pay careful attention to because there's some really strong nuggets that are coming out from these best-selling authors today that I think if we can embrace, we can revolutionize the world from the concepts that are coming from these authors and their books. And the thing that I know more than anything is that if we will learn from them in our own lives, that we will be able to live as a thriving entrepreneur. We're going to take our first commercial break and then we'll be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur. We are going to continue on with our discussion as we celebrate dads. Some of us grew up in a way where, you know, we had an amazing father in our life. And often we've taken that for granted. But for other people, they are growing up in a situation where they either don't have a father in their life or he hasn't been in most of their life. And they live in this fatherless state and then they grow up and they become fathers and they have to kind of navigate that journey on their own. So today we're joined by best-selling author Cabell Anderson. He's going to talk about his book, The Fatherless Father, Overcoming Brokenness to Living a Victorious Life. Hi Cabell, how are you today? I'm doing excellent Steve. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, this is a wonderful um, it's been it's been great you know working with you uh, and also just the process here of writing this book has been such a challenge in itself but I believe that this book the fatherless father is just a great great um, way that I feel that I can help to really impact the lives of those who will take the time to read and to tap into it so starting off here, let's uh, talk about you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your life growing up, those kind of things. Sure. So in essence, I'm from the wonderful, beautiful um, island of Jamaica. And I grew up in a what we would call a nuclear family. So 
I had I lived with parents as well as uncles and grandparents under the same roof. Um, God had blessed us, so we had you know, room and space enough and and home enough to be able to house all of us. Now, as a kid growing up, I grew up in a well, in what I would say, a, a good family. So I was loved. I believe I was um, had a always had the the um, feeling a sense of love and feeling a sense of um, provision from from the family around me. And uh, I, in essence, grew up in a small uh, community, maybe about 20 miles out of Montego Bay. And uh, growing up with a, was fun for me. You know, I had a, a really great, fun um, childhood. I couldn't ask for anything more. Everything from celebrations to parties to birthday parties, you know, um, schooling. You know, overall, you would say a pretty normal, a pretty normal life um, for a kid. Um, anyway, I, I, as I grew, um, kid, I, be, I began to recognize that something was missing from my life, and that was, in essence, what I came to understand. You know, was a father. Uh, so while, let me just say this: while I was having those dis- discoveries, life was happening. So. In essence, I, I, you know, with my sisters, with my grandparents, with my, with my, with my mom, and there was a point at about age nine, um, about age eight or nine, where where my my mom actually migrated to the United States to provide a better life for myself and my sisters, and that was a pretty, what I would say, an exciting um, happening, and at the same time. Uh, somewhat of a a, a hard a reality because I already did not have a father, and then my mother was actually migrating, so I was without both parents at that time in my life. And nonetheless, you know, when my when my mom left that first time around, kid, it was exciting because I knew she was going to return again soon. Right? I know she was going. There was a promise there of making a better life, and then she would be back. Um, so it pretty much was life as usual. You know, my grandparents, you know, filled the gap for the time that she was away. And I remember um, there was a couple years after she had migrated to the States and she returned. And when she returned, I felt as a kid, not fully understanding the nature of what was happening, I thought that she was coming back for good and that we were going to be leaving with her at that moment. But come to the rude awakening and rude um, reality was that she was actually just visiting. And that was a very pivotal time in my life because I'd taken some major examination as a high school, as a, I would say, a middle school student. And those major examinations were the results from them were published in the major national newspaper. So your name being in a newspaper and, and passing that, exa- that exam was a big deal. Um, so with my mom being there, that was a huge deal. And of course, my name was in that paper and I did pass those examinations. Um, but a few days later, I, I, had, I understood that my, my mom was going to be leaving again. Now, mind you, this is the only parent I knew. So I really gravitated towards my mom. We had a great relationship. She was like the anchor for us and for me. And 
at that point, kid, when she decided she was going, she, she, when she shared with us that the day was coming for her to return, which I don't know, as a kid, I just didn't, I just, I was so excited. I don't think I got it. But when she, when she left, um, that was pretty, that was a, a, a hard moment for me to deal with because now here I was already having um, to deal with and face with discovering that I was fatherless and not being able to give an account for my father. And now here I am in a situation where my mom has left, she returned, and now she's going again. And I'm without both parents again. And that began to impact me even more greatly. So what was the impact like? I, I, my schoolwork um, fell off. I dropped as low as a 1.5 or one point, between 1.5 and 1.9 in school. I lacked the focus, I lacked the discipline, and I had to face the reality of going out each day whether I was filling out applications or whether I was in the community. I was constantly being asked who my father was, and I couldn't give an account for him. I at least could say where my mom was, and I at least could say that she's working on getting us to be with her where she was, but I couldn't give an account of my father. And, and you know, kid, I don't think any, any child should have to give an account for any of their parents in this type of a way. But that was a huge impact on me. It was, a pain, it was painful. It was devastating. Um, I believe I, as I grew, I became um, angry at the fact that I was being asked to give an account for a father I, I, I did not know, I couldn't associate with. Um, I felt um, rejected. I felt, uh, I felt lost at one point. And I started developing a certain level of fear, you know, the uncertainty, uh, not quite sure what I wanted to do in life, just lack direction and guidance. And that was pretty, that was a very difficult, um, um, you know, transition um, for me in my life between, I would say, when it all started coming together, or started, for me, when, it, when I started venturing out at about age six, and between age six and between, I would say, maybe age 18, there was so much that was happening within that time. Um, but the reality of realizing that I did not have a father started, I would say, kicking in around age, uh, I would say probably around age seven, eight. And then the harsh reality of not, of not knowing how to deal with it and how to respond to it really started, you know, coming, coming out, you know, after age eight, nine, ten, going up. So, you know, my childhood, while it was fun and while it was a, a what would be considered a normal childhood, here I am facing these types of realities um, hidden inside of me. I, in the book, I describe it as being like carbon monoxide because, you know, having, having the, the devastation and feeling, feeling rejected and feeling the sense of fear, um, fear of rejection as a child and not knowing how to breach the conversation with an adult to express to them what I'm experiencing was a pretty difficult challenge. And I said, it's like carbon monoxide, it's like a silent killer because for a child who never breached the conversation and never had the conversation about father, about my father breached with me, it left me in a position of just wandering and dreaming and looking around and seeing other kids with their fathers at parent-teachers conference at sporting events, 
at school events and, and there was nothing for me. So the, those were some of the challenges and some of the, the hidden, what I would say, the hidden hurts and the hidden pain and the hidden devastation that I faced growing up um, as a child. Um, and so how, how did you move from that place to a place of being an overcomer and living victoriously? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. You know, Steve, I'd like to tell you that this happened, you know, overnight. The light came on and everything just, just happened, but, but surely that was not the case. Being fatherless, it starts, so I mentioned that I had the, the impact to my grades and how I, how I, my performance when I was younger. Now, as I grew, it is, I, I, I grew and, and started managing, managing the feelings versus facing the feelings. I started managing the hurt versus, versus facing the hurt. So whether it was in sports or whether it was in having fun, anything to avoid having to face the true reality of how I was hurting and the pain and the devastation um, of, of being fatherless. And, and that went on for a while. Um, it, it, it really didn't start showing up as, as a true uh, reality of my life, I would say, until I got married. I have an amazing um, wife, you know, uh, Dr. Carolyn um, Anderson. Um, she also have a, a, a couple, number one, bestsellers as well. Wonderful author and just an excellent wife. And, uh, you know, it's, it's after we were married and I began, and before we, met, we, we got married, we, 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 we talked about the fact that I didn't know my father, and my wife was always supportive and always uh, encouraged me to, you know, to search for him, to find who he is. And uh, um, surely, you know, I, I, I thought about it as well, but never really put any effort into pursuing it. Um, but I began to realize that one of the impact of, of the fatherlessness is, as I said, is feeling, feeling a sense of rejection or feeling a sense of some insecurities. And, and, and those insecurities and, and those um, trust issues and, and, and some of those struggles for acceptance um, began to show up and manifest in my marriage. And so it began to, to have a bearing, a negative impact on the way that I was connecting and relating um, to my wife. And uh, over time, I, I did take, you know, I did begin to pursue uh, looking and searching for my father. But even in the process of doing that, I, I, I was still facing, I still had some animosity and I still had some resentment um, towards him. And my decisions, the way I, the way I thought about myself, the way I felt that others think, thought towards me. I mean, we would be in a, just a standard, regular conversation, and something you said in response to something I may have shared with you would strike me the wrong way, and I would feel a sense of you're rejecting my idea or you're rejecting the thought that I just brought forth. And that became such a danger um, to my life, uh, so, such a devastation to my life, because then I began to distance myself from, from any situation uh, you know, and circumstance that, 
you know, I felt was um, something that was pushing against me or, you know, was rejecting me. And it really came to a point where I got tired of myself and got tired of the life of trying to um, trying to manage those feelings, trying to pacify, trying to band-aid feeling angry, feeling the resentment, not talking about it, facing the truth, and allowing my experience of not having a father to dictate how my life was being run and what my, you know, and not knowing and facing the true purpose for my life. So Katie came down to Friday nights in college was a big night for me. That's a night when me and my friends would be out kicking it and doing the college students or the college kids stuff. I remember this particular night, I couldn't leave the house. I was so overwhelmed with the past and uh, the, 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 uh, the burden of my life up to that point. And to the point where I just broke down crying, I was, I was down and out. You know, I felt like I hit rock bottom. I felt like, you know, um, my life had come to a crossroad and I didn't have an answer as far as how I moved from there. And it was within, it was within a, a, a couple of days. I, I, I went to, you know, a church service where I, you know, the church that I frequent, Bethel Tabernacle Worship Center. And there was a lady there who was a visiting minister and she ministered and you know, she gave an altar call and I went there and I was just weeping at the altar, you know, just crying. And, and she spoke into my life and, and she gave me the invitation to give my life to Christ. And, you know, and, and I did that. And honestly, man, the, there was a burden that was lifted from me that moment and a sense of peace that overcame me. And it was, and that was the pivotal point of me beginning to actually heal and then beginning to seek um, for my father with a heart that was not hostile towards him, and at the same time, um, building up the courage uh, with the encouragement of my wife to breach a conversation with my mom about my father, and, and, and then to seek out a strategy for how we're going to go about um, finding him. So from and that crossroad... And you go through the amazing journey of that healing and meeting your father and all of those kind of things. That's why people need to get the book. <laughs> um, it's a great journey to go from being a child who never knows their father to finding the real father and that's God and really living a victorious life. The book is called the fatherless father overcoming brokenness to living a victorious life. It's by Cavelli Anderson senior it's available on Amazon right now. There is so many good things in this book to help you, regardless of your relationship with your father, to first of all, establish a strong relationship with God, your father. And then secondly, really be able to be the father that you want to be to your children. Cavell, thank you so much for spending some time sharing a little bit of your story with us today. Thank you, kid. I appreciate you um, taking some time to give me this opportunity to just share a bit of a snippet about myself and also this amazing book that I believe is going to bring awareness to this, you know, fatherlessness that's impacting our nation. For people to really find themselves to live their purpose 
and to defy the odds of the statistics that's against fatherlessness. And really, once they have healed and come to the reality of who they are, like I have done, is to pay it forward and to help someone else to get over that hump and to get the breakthrough they need to live a victorious life as I am living right now. Thank you for the time. Whether you have a dad in your life and have your whole life, or whether you have wanted a dad to be there to show up and be part of your life, the father figure in our lives plays such an important role. And without it, we find ourselves, especially as men, but really, let's be honest, women deal with it, different stuff, but they deal with it too. We find ourselves looking for our father in everything that we do until we find that person, until we fill that gap. It is something that's built into us internally that we all need. And without it, we really can't thrive. And so I really do want for us to really pay attention to the tricks, the tips, the secrets in today's message as we discover how we each personally can live as a thriving entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because... It serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. By the time we're done today, probably if you have a really great dad in your life, you're probably going to be on the phone calling him, thanking him for all the things that he showed up and did in your life. I know that I'm grateful for my father, and I'm sure that you are too. We have a second best-selling author here whose book is also about fatherhood and about the things that they discovered, both how to be a good father themselves, as well as that they didn't get because of the absence of the fa their father in their life. So listen in and see what information you can pick up as we talk to our second best-selling author. Fatherhood is such an important part of everyone's life, and yet for many, for many different reasons, their father isn't or isn't always in the picture, and that creates situations. Um, to be able to talk about this today, I'm so delighted to be joined by best-selling author Tyrone Stevenson as he talks about the day his daddy died, his book, The Day My Daddy Died. Hi, Tyrone. Hi, Tyrone, how are you today? I'm good, Steve. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. So tell us a little bit about 
yourself and where the book came from? Um, well, I am a, a product of, a, of a, a single mom household. Um, today, I am a pastor of a uh, thriving and really involved church. Uh, but the big part of my life was searching for my father. Though I knew him, um, I didn't know him. And so the book was really a journey that I took uh, really of healing, to, to dispel the myth that you can't be something that you don't see. Um, and so I kind of walked through how I became or have come to where I am today. Not perfect, but a far, far cry uh, from what the statistics say I should be um, having grown up without, um, you know, that important male um, role model and bonding. So that's where it came from, out of my struggles. Now, one of the things early on when you and I were talking before we ever started into the making of your book that you shared that just really shot an arrow through my heart is the high percentage of African-American young men that are growing up with, at least without their father there on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and the real ministry, the, the real movement that you have in mind for that. Can you talk in more detail about that? Absolutely. Um, it is, it is um, a disproportionate issue in uh, the African-American community, uh, and it creates tons of uh, challenges, problems uh, within our community. Um, and I have found that young men, specifically in this case young men, but young women have the same uh, pain in the, in when their father's not there. Uh, but my, my goal is really to try to heal young men so that we don't repeat this again. Uh, and so I'm looking to, one, not just speak in church. And I think that's a mistake um, that, that perhaps too many pastors make uh, to just stay right inside the doors. I'm the guy who likes to be on the street, like to be out with people. Uh, so I intend to go to schools um, we've already created some alliances with uh, um, two prisons right now in the state of Maryland. Um, I'm here in New York, and so I've got some connections here and looking to do uh, some work in uh, the huge um, youth detention center or really youth jail system in New York. It's, people would be surprised how large it is. Um, jailing young people. It's, it's a huge, huge uh, issue here in New York. And so looking to make some inroads there, uh, because I think when I look at my story, and you see it in the book, um, so much of what I did was out of pain. Our young men are in pain, and they're looking for any way um, to, 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 to uh, deal with that pain. Um, and for me, and you'll see it in the book, it went to, I was violent, um, I was angry all the time about everything. Um, and, and then I grew up and realized, my goodness, it's just that I'm looking for my father. And so looking to reach out to this demographic um, and to provide uh, some healing so that we don't repeat um, the sins, and I put that in quote, of our fathers. Now... I know you feel this way because you, you know, are a product of a single mom. Um, moms are getting it done, so we're not in any way trying to diss moms. Mm -hmm. But 
Can you talk in more detail what what kind of things does a young man need that really only a dad can give? Wow. Well, that list that list is really long. Um, one of the things that that really disturbs me um, in our culture, and it's really one of the things that pushed me, is our culture is attempting to erase the importance of fathers out of the lives of children and and in the family, um, and it's a huge huge mistake. Um, little things. And sometimes it can be something as small as um, learning the importance of protecting. Um, how do you do that? How, how do you do that? Uh, learning the importance of providing um, and, and, and putting those two things together. For instance, uh, if you have a mentality, okay, great, I have to provide for my, my child. Um, and you figure, well, I just got to hustle. I'm going to sell drugs. I'm going to do whatever I have to do. Um, to provide for my child. Um, in the street uh, culture, which I am, am aware of, that becomes, hey man, do what you got to do. But a father who's responsible gets to teach that son that says, well, you have more than a responsibility to provide for the child. You need to be there for the child. And if your providing keeps you from being there, then you need to change the way you're providing. Um, because being there is extremely important. And I think a father can teach that. There are lessons. Um, I have a 10-year-old son. And the, the lessons um, that I teach my son um, just in, in, in passing, uh, he was in camp. And a little girl, I think the little girl liked him. And she kept, she kept hitting him. And so he comes to me after the camp and he says, Daddy, I know you say we can't hit girls. But if a girl just keeps hitting you for no reason... Can I hit her just so she'll stop hitting me? Um, and I said, no, you can't do that. And then he said, why? And it led to a very tender um, and instructive conversation about the importance of men protecting our women and not perpetrating violence, even as innocent as it might appear to him, um, on our women. And, and he got it. Um, and I don't know if, if, um, if he would have gotten it in a different way. Uh, and so it's just, it's so important and I can't overstate it. And those are just small lessons. My son is going to a school now where he has to wear a tie. Um, and this year they, they no longer have the clip on ties. They have the ties you have to actual tie, actually tie. And so, uh, for me, the lessons in teaching him how to tie a tie, why, to tie a tie um, and what it says and communicates um, to him or to people about it. Those are, those are just these simple things that I get to teach my son that really make a huge, huge difference um, in my interaction with him as a man. And not that women can't do it, uh, but there's something to be said about a man doing it for a boy. Well, and then, of course, as you were saying that, the thought that immediately came to my mind, if a young man grows up in a house where there was no dad, he doesn't know any better other than to do that. And then a woman is trying to teach him things that she never had a dad either, so she doesn't even know why. I mean, it just it becomes like a snowball. Absolutely. 
Um, one of the things that I, that I bring out in the book, and um, it's, it's a tough thing for people to hear until they really think about it. And, and I bring this out. I said, a man cannot become a man without another man. It's, it's just, it is what it is. Um, I remember I was preaching a, a series on, um, on family, and I, I made a statement that got me a lot of emails and a lot of angry text messages. I said, a woman cannot teach a boy to become a man. And oh my goodness, Steve, you would have thought that I had um, just disparaged women across the board. Women were very angry in our church um, until we opened some dialogue around it. Um, and, I, and, and I said, we're not removing the importance of a mother but we cannot trample on the importance of a man so that we can um, continue to applaud or, or lift up mothers. I think we can do both um, because the truth is a woman can teach a boy to become the kind of man she wants, but that's different than becoming a man. Um, and, and it opens interesting dialogue and that's the way you break the cycle. You, you, you break the cycle by adding new information. And sometimes that information is challenging. Um, and even my mother didn't like it. My mother says, well, well, you turned out all right. And I had to say to my mother, mom, I did turn out okay, but it wasn't just because of you. It was other men in my life who taught me the other things that you couldn't teach me. Um, you know, and it's okay that you can't teach me those things. Um, and so it's important that uh, the single mom brings healthy, strong, um, and trusted men around her son so that he can develop as a whole person. I think it's, I think it's one of the most important things we can do. Um, and I won't back down from that. It is absolutely important. And it takes a man to teach a boy to be a man. I just believe it. So that, of course, brings me to the question, it sounds to me like we've got a lot of grown people who happen to be male that um, we probably really can't classify as men. You're absolutely right. Uh, because man, uh, and I had to learn this, man is, uh, becoming a man is more than your genitalia. Uh, that doesn't, that's not what makes you a man, that's your gender. Uh, but what makes you a man is your ability to deal with responsibility, um, how you do responsibility, um, how important you recognize your family is. All these things is what, what constitutes uh, becoming a man. Um, and, and I just think it's vitally important um, that we don't discount that and we do the work necessary to empower men to become the men they need to be. Because and you'll see this in the book. I absolutely thought I was a man. You couldn't tell me I wasn't a man because I had money. You couldn't tell me I wasn't a man because I had a nice car. Um, I had nice clothes. Uh, you know, when I got married, I bought my, bought our, we bought our first house um, when we were 22 years old. So that's how I constituted manhood. But I was um, abusive verbally. I was insensitive. I was a rock. <laughs> I was an emotional rock. Um, I was insensitive. I was um, difficult to get along with. 
But oh my goodness, if my wife ever brought those things up in our marriage, which she did, I would run down this list that I thought made me a man. And it was always stuff and things. And that is a huge mistake that we make as, as men because we say I'm a, a man takes care of his family. Yeah, but, but let's never uh, relegate taking care of our family to just mean money and clothes and a place to live. Um, my wife said to me one day um, when I was running down this long list and she was crying and she had tears in her eyes. Um, and she says, I don't need all of this. I would live in a box with you if you were just a healthy man. Oh my goodness, it changed my life. Because I just thought, as long as I'm doing these things, then I'm good. I don't need to be emotionally available. I don't need to be vulnerable. I don't need um, to spend time, uh, you know, quality, emotional, exchanging time with my children. I didn't need to do all that. Um, you know, that, that's not what I need to do. That's what men do because that's not what I saw. No, no man um, hugged me when I fell and cut my leg. They said, stop crying. They, they called me derogative names. Um, so I thought that that tender love was, that was what women did for children, not men. I was missing it. There's an emotional um, need that children have that must come from a healthy male influence in their life. I believe it. I saw it in my life. And I see it in the life of so many young men in the neighborhood where uh, we pastor and where I do ministry uh, and where I do community work. It's, it's very, very prevalent, extremely prevalent. I couldn't agree more. And I hope, well, first of all, I hope the emails and the calls and the everything comes in because I do really love the dialogue around this. I look forward to that. I don't shrink from it at all, but um, I hope that once we get past that, we can really embrace these wonderful young men and make them men. Um, so, and a person's going to have to get the book in order to learn all the things. <laughs> right. But for the show today, give us a tip. What can somebody, um, you know, especially the single mom, what can a person do, or even a grown person that realizes they don't have it, to begin the process of actually becoming a man or helping their child become a man? Either way. Okay. Um, if, I were, if I were talking to a single mom, um, I would, I would say to her, um, it's okay. Um, and there's nothing wrong with you. It's okay. And there's nothing wrong with you. Um, but what you want to do is you want to search out strong, um, healthy. I cannot stress the need for these men who will become mentors to be healthy, healthy men who will um, help her in um, directing this young man to becoming the man that he needs to be. Um, and those things become very, very important. And that she's not less than a person, she's no less of a person, she's not less of a mother um, because she recognizes that her son needs this interaction. Um, and again, you know, sh she needs to be very, 
um, wise in the men that she choose because when you choose the men that you model after, that's really the man you're going to become. That's extremely important. And then to a man or a young man who recognizes his need for it, um, one of the things that, that I would say to him, which was one of the first things that I had to get in my understanding, is to not ignore or pretend that the pain doesn't hurt. To stop pretending that it doesn't hurt that you don't have your father or that you don't have the relationship with your father you'd like or that you don't know who your father is. Don't pretend like it doesn't hurt. Embrace the hurt. Embrace the pain of it. I didn't say take it into you. I didn't say become the pain, but know that it hurts. Um, and then that pain is going to lead you on the healthy journey. I embraced my pain wrong. And that pain led me on a destructive journey, which got me to healthy. But if we can embrace the pain and know, goodness, this hurts, um, and seek out the help necessary, um, we could find ourselves going down a very healthy road and a very healthy journey to becoming uh, a man. And it's so important. And once we do it, there is nothing like it. I, I'm happy. For, for, the, for a lot of my life, Steve, I was extremely unhappy. And the things that I had, people would want those things um, and think, oh, if I just had those things, I'd be happy. Um, I was, oh my goodness, I was, I was extremely unhappy. Um, and now with less things and, and more in this journey toward manhood, I'm, I'm happier now in the last, I would have to say, uh, 15 years than I've been in my entire life. Um, and this the journey. And so don't, I would tell them, don't ignore the journey and find some healthy men to take the journey with you because that's what makes it work. That's what makes it work. The book is called The Day My Daddy Died by best-selling author Tyrone Stevenson. It is a must-have. I mean, I, I think I say positive things about all the books that are on the show, but this is a book that just needs to be on the shelf at every house that ever is going to have a child in it, parents, grandparents, any of that. Um, you've got to pick up the book from Amazon, The Day My Daddy Died by Tyrone Stevenson. Tyrone, thank you so much for spending some time. I know we just touched the tip of this huge subject, but thanks for taking some time with us today on the show. Thanks, Steve, for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Again, the level of father that you've had, as well as the level of father that you can now be, hinges on your ability to understand just how important that role is, to embrace it, and then to be the best version of a dad that you can possibly be. For all of us that are men that have children, I know that's our wish, our want, and our goal. And it's one of the things that helps us live as a thriving entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. 
now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks today for taking the time with us to talk about the importance of dads in our life, the importance of being a good dad, the importance of having a good dad, and all of the things that that means. I hope that as a father or a soon-to-be future father, um, if you're listening, that you were able to take some things from it. I hope for those of you, male or female, who have wounds from your father, that maybe this helped a little bit that you can both see the fact that, um, yeah, they were probably very flawed individuals. That's probably a very good place to start. And that beyond that, there is that thing in your life that is missing and that you really do need. And it's okay to reach out and to acknowledge, hey, I really have a missing lack in that area. And, um, I hope that whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're experiencing, that you can find now some peace, some joy, some happiness, some things that will really help you feel better, to feel like you're thriving in all that you do in your life and all that you do in your business. Thank you so much for spending the time with us today. I need you to understand that all of us who have been fathers, on, on every level of the spectrum, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I think deep inside of us, there, there are some exceptions. There are some people that are psychopaths, and we won't deal with people who are just broken beyond repair. But the average person, I know that at their heart, they wanted to be a good father. That when they found out you were going to be born, they rejoiced in their own way. For those of you who the man that was the genetic contributor to you coming into existence, if he wasn't excited for you, know that all heaven and all earth was excited for you. Remember, as T.D. Jake says, your being in existence was so important that God moved all heaven and earth to bring together two people that only those two people at only that microsecond in time could have ever possibly created you. You're, you're the biggest winner in the world. You are amazing beyond all recognition because just that you're here means something. It means something big means something huge. Acknowledge that to yourself, within yourself, and for yourself. That you are special. You are uniquely brilliant. 
that you have a plan, a purpose, a reason, that you're not an accident. And then today, on behalf of your father who failed you, if he did, or on behalf of your father who did the best that he could and made mistakes, forgive, release. It's not for him, it's for you. Lack of forgiveness are the chains that we bind ourselves up with. And if we don't forgive and release others, that other person goes on and lives their life. Somebody that you're violently angry with doesn't even know while it's impacting every day of your life. And you see, you have a message, a story. You have something that the world absolutely needs. So much so. And it's time to share that message with the world. Do it loud. Do it proud. Do it strongly. And while you're writing your story, while you're sharing your message with the world, let's make it a bestseller. We'd love to have you join us in Bestsellers Guild. You can just go to bestsellersguild.com. It's a free Facebook group asked to join we'd be glad to have you there we can start you on your journey to becoming a best-selling author we look forward to working with you because what Kathy and I know more than anything else is how important your story is we know that you are uniquely brilliant that you were created very specifically for a purpose and that the world needs you. I hope you know that. I hope you believe that and can understand just how special you are and that you can take from today that specialness and share who you are with the world to make our world a better place, to live your part of living your life as a thriving entrepreneur, to make the difference that only you can make do it loud, do it proud, don't delay, share your message with the world. We look forward to seeing you in Bestsellers Guild. We're glad that we could spend this time with you together. And until next time, Kathy and I both hope that you have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. 
Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.